Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive in June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Welcome to a Super Bloom podcast. My name is Candace King. Oh, I'm all sorts of tied up in knots about today's conversation. It's a conversation that I really, really need because I've been wrestling with this for a while now. Do you guys post pictures of your kids on the internet? Because I do. I do. I was just hanging out with a bunch of friends that I used to work with who are also who are, are happen to be public figures. And we got into a debate over dinner and it wasn't like a, a big, angry, yelling debate. This was like a healthy, calm, gentle debate as to whether we choose to post photos of our children on the Internet, knowing that we're public figures or do we not? And there is a friend of mine who doesn't post any photos of their children on the Internet and and I said, and I respect that. And, and I do. And I realized, like, why? Why do I post photos of my children on the Internet? W- what am I gaining from it? You know, is it because I just obviously f- flip and love them and I think that they're beautiful and adorable and it makes me so happy to see, like, joyful, fun pictures of my kids and our fun moments together? And I just want everyone else in the world to see it. 
Or is it easier to point the camera outwards instead of put the camera on me? Do I just see that all my friends are doing it? And so then I want to then, you know, post pictures of my kids and all these special moments and all, you know, is this the new scrapbooking? I loved scrapbooking as a kid. Maybe this is just my version of scrapbooking. This is just a digital scrapbook of my life for 10 million people to see. And that's when the stomach knots start twisting around again because I do have this like obscenely large following on these social media platforms and and these are my little kids and when I'm out in public and people want to take photos of of me or with me or and my children are around I politely decline because I'm in mama mode and these are my you know these are my babies and these are my cubs and I'm mama bear and I have to protect them because, you know, they didn't ask for someone to come up and talk to their mom and interrupt our day. They didn't ask for, you know, for me to step away from them and take time with other people when they might need me. They didn't ask to maybe be in a picture with strangers that they don't know. But if I'm doing that in real life, why is that all going out the window when it comes to my phone, when it comes to these social media apps and these platforms? Is there really any harm? Where do these pictures go? I mean, I've seen I've seen some of these pictures and, and they're they turn into like, you know, montages on accounts that might be a fan of something that I was a part of that, you know, really doesn't have anything to do with me. But suddenly it does have something to do with me because now it's like montages of not just me playing this fictional character, but it's montages of me in my real life with my real kids having real moments. And why have I put this all out for everyone to participate in? That's what we're going to talk about today. I think I need a little bit of a social media intervention to help me navigate what my why is. And I can't think of anyone else better to sit down with than Sarah Adams of Mom Uncharted. Sarah Adams has been exploring the state of parental public oversharing, child exploitation, and minor safety on social media since the summer of 2021. She's grown a very large following and a super supportive community of like-minded adults who feel the same way that parents are just sharing their children online a little too much and it's become concerning and that these platforms and governments and brands need to maybe step up and begin to protect a whole generation of children from growing up in the public eye without their knowledge or their informed consent. Sarah's goal has always been to just ask questions and maybe offer a different perspective and provide information as it relates to these topics. You know, she's here to really encourage parents to reflect on their own sharing choices and the accounts that they are consuming that use kids as content. And Sarah gets it. She's a married mom of two. Both of her children are under the age of five. And she's really taken the time to research the potential damage that all of this content posting, all this sharenting might have on our precious kids and on ourselves and our relationships with our kids. All right, let's dive in. Sarah, let's go. Oh no, I'm like so nervous for this conversation. I need it. Like this is good. And what's funny is I was just at dinner. I do a lot of conventions as an actor for a show and other actors that I've known for a very long time. And so it gives us an opportunity to sit down and have dinner. And we're, you know, we've all known each other for, I mean, she's 10 plus years going on 15 years. So we've seen yep. each other through a lot of, 
you know, a lot of late nights and early mornings and and then subsequently like, you know, marriages and children and all the things. But a lot of us are parents. And so we were actually just having this discussion about like, do you who posts photos of their kids online mm-hmm. and who don't, especially as public figures. Yes. And I am someone who has posted photos of my children as well as my stepchildren. My stepchildren, it's always been with more discretion because mm-hmm. they know that there was another parent involved. Also, they were older. I wanted them, you know, and also it was a lot of speculation, even though their dad is also in the industry and he posted photos of them as well. But it's like always this like, you know, it's kind of this like thing that, you know, we've, I think this our generation has kind of gotten wrapped up in to a certain yes. extent when then and then I have other friends in the industry who don't post at all. Mm-hmm. And and every time I'm in that position, I feel like I have to like defend why I do it, even though I don't like to do it and I'm trying not to do it. Yep. And so I feel like this is like like a personal intervention that I needed to sit down with you today, Sarah. (laughs) Well, I always I always state that, you know, I built this platform to just have these conversations, right? I didn't find that a lot of conversations amongst parents were taking place as it relates to social media and the way we are sharing our children. So I hope that my platform causes people to look inwards and how they are sharing their children, but also the content they are consuming online. Yeah. I know. I think that my defense usually goes to like, well, these are just like really happy moments and then they'll be captured forever. And then what if there's like an apocalypse and then my like phone gets lost and then at least I'll have these online. It's like, no, uh, no, no. <laughs> like, yeah, no. no. And I get it. And I try and like p- have the conversation kind of in two si- silos. Like there's the one where parents occasionally share, you know, I've always said I'm not against influencers or celebrities occasionally share sharing a moment in their child life, a beautiful picture or something like that. What I'm really against is parents who turn their children and their actual existence into content and would not have successful platforms without the exploitation of their children. So I look at it kind of in twofold, because I do think it's important to remember that it isn't a black and white thing, right? And looking at that in 2023 isn't going to allow a lot of people into the conversation because they're going to feel, you know, attacked, excluded, judged. There's a lot of gray, right? Well, I mean, I'm trying to think even just hearing you talk about that, if this is, if there's anything comparable in history to this, you know, is there an older generation that was just like, oh, like, I don't know. I don't I don't recall a time where parents really wanted strangers to have access to their children. Yeah. Unless it was like a wedding announcement in like a a local town paper. A local paper or something like that. Right. And again, it also goes to why are we posting? Why are we feeling this urge to put our children out there knowing what we know about social media and the individuals we are sharing these spaces with? What has social media done to us as a generation and parents that we require that dopamine hit that we need validation saying our kids are cute or they're adorable or we're good parents? Where where is this all coming from, right? There's so many facets to this conversation. So before we get into like the the bigger, like bite a big off, 
big, big <laughs> into the, this discussion that I'm already like stumbling over because I'm like, <laughs> I'm just literally having flashes of like every time I've posted things with my children in it, which I'm fully able to admit. And I, I definitely want to dive into later in this conversation. But what what was your why? What was the first thing that you saw that you didn't agree with? Or why did you decide to take this on and create a platform to really kind of be a reflective mirror to this social media space in which people are maybe not using it with the best intentions, even if it's not intentionally? Yeah. So I think what really happened to me was I had a baby in 2020, first week of lockdown, and we were all naturally going online. And I just saw and I was following mummy vloggers, not family vloggers, but influencers on Instagram. I became a mom in 2017. And I naturally followed these mothers in hopes of finding, you know, support, community, ideas, what to buy. I'd never been a mom before. I didn't know what I was doing. So I thought I would find something there. And it seemed natural to follow these individuals. And I didn't have these views at that time. It all seemed quote unquote normal, right? Mm -hmm. And then when the pandemic hit and I was at home with my new baby and everyone's going online, I just started to feel like inundated with pictures of other people's children and videos and information. And I just thought, whoa, this is so much. Like, this is too much. I I'm a stranger. It was like a light bulb went off. And I just thought, hold on, I'm a stranger. Why do I have access to this information about this child who was just, you know, diagnosed with X or yeah. is struggling with, you know, behavioral issues? Or why am I seeing your children in bathing suits around the pool and knowing when their swim meet is? It just felt too much. And I started to feel very uncomfortable with it. And I started talking to friends and family about it. And they're like, Oh, yeah, like you have really good points. Yeah. And I kept talking to my husband. And he finally said, Okay, like, you seem very interested in this, but I can't keep having these conversations. Because <laughs> I because he's a very private individual. He's not on social media. So he's, you know, like, great, but what are you going to do with it? And mm. I thought, what am I going to do with that? And one day on a whim, I downloaded TikTok and I started playing around with the app, you know, pandemic mom stuff, West Coast stuff, doing just like trends, sounds. And whenever I talked about the concept of sharenting and family vlogging and child exploitation, minor safety, I noticed a lot of people kind of perk up and got a lot of engagement. And I thought, well, this is what I want to talk about. Why not just talk about it. So I niched myself down and now I'm mom uncharted and I'm having these conversations on these large platforms and it seems like parents are becoming more receptive where at the beginning people didn't like me too much. <laughs> <laughs> well, because it's again, holding up a mirror to something maybe that they don't realize isn't intention, unintentionally harmful, mm -hmm. but it's still harmful. It's yeah. interesting to hear you talk about photos of children in swimsuits and around the pool. I have a friend of mine who's an investigative journalist who worked in the space for years that was she was writing a lot of pieces about predators, online predators, sexual predators. And I just remember her. We were belly buddies. And so we were pregnant at the same time. I just remember her saying like, never if she's she's like, if I've learned 
anything from my research. She's like, never post a photo of your child in the bathtub. Yeah. Never post a photo of your child on in a swimsuit. Mm-hmm. And also like a, a, a plethora of other stuff. Oh, but yeah. just something is like, never post that stuff. Yes. Because it is that unfortunately, there are a lot of people who are seeking that out, not because it's a sweet photo of a child in a bathtub having like their first bubble bath. And we don't want to think about that. But that is unfortunately the reality of the world we live in. That's exactly it. Uh, It's just the reality of the digital world. And parents need to know this, right? And two specific photos, you know, potty training is one, bath time, diapers, any semi-nude, dancewear, gymnasts, those are huge in regard to what predators are looking for online. And for some reason, it seems like some parents don't know or even don't care Right. And that's hard because when I started talking about these things, I was always coming from a privacy and consent. Like children deserve privacy. They didn't consent to be on here. Like I, as a consenting adult, downloaded TikTok, became mom uncharted, am sharing my views and opinions. All these kids did not. They don't choose to have their everyday out there and these photos and this information, right? So it was always about privacy and consent and yes, safety. But even myself, I didn't know. I had no idea just how bad and dark it all is online. And so when I started uncovering these things as it relates to safety and what is happening to images and videos of our children, I just felt like, well, I need to tell others because like I didn't know. I assumed, but like I didn't know. Now I know. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... Hello Fresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG.
I just, I looking at your Instagram, you had a reels about someone who didn't have a lot of followers, but they posted a very, a very, uh, like it makes my skin crawl just thinking about it. But it's a, it's a video that was posted on someone's account. They posted a video of their child who was like screaming in agony and mm. pain because of something that easily happens to children and yeah. adults alike, constipation. And this parent was trying to post a video of like, what happens when your child gets constipated? But just yeah. posting this like never ending video of this child in agony. And you pointed out very calmly, like, you know, let's just look at the numbers. Like here's someone, they don't have a large following. You know, they post videos, they don't get a lot of views. But this one photo of this poor little child just standing there screaming in pain had like over a hundred thousand views where this yeah. person would normally get 500. Exactly. And if that doesn't show you like that there's a, a dark area of the web that we are like ignoring, <laughs> like yes. just on like and that's just the basic that is that is like it's very the, disturbing to see that. It's extremely disturbing. It's ex it's disturbing to think that. And, you know, I'm kind of in the field now where I'm talking to, you know, law enforcement, online safety experts, retired, you know, crimes against children, individuals and things like that. These people get off on the screams of children. Like that is one of the reasons why that video went viral. It's so twisted and sick. One of my more popular videos on the TikTok platform is a video in which I share a clip from a documentary and it is at a predator rehabilitation facility, we'll call it. And they share that these individuals also enjoy the sound of children eating fruit like the sucking, mm -hmm. the, uh, yes. And people, parents online are like, wow, I'm getting like millions of views from my child, like just eating watermelon or like, and it's like, oh no, there's a reason. There's a really dark, deep, scary reason why you're getting all those views, right? Mm -hmm. And parents just need to recognize it, right? We don't know what the future, what's going to happen in the future, but Odds are some of these kids are going to have some, find their images and their audio in some deep, dark places. It's a heavy conversation. I know it is a it's, heavy conversation, but it's, it's so necessary so because it, it, like, it's true. It is like, why are we doing this? Why? Because uh, I, I have that, I have the same, you know, I, what's interesting is I was very protective when I was pregnant for, oh, I always, I'm, I wait until I'm like, far enough along where I feel ready, especially as a public figure. I felt that it was important. I also at the time worked on a series where, you know, I was going to look different, yeah. you know, <laughs> so but after my child was born, I never showed either of my baby's face until they were well, at least my oldest. I waited a full year before she, her face was online. And I and then once that was done, I just was totally fine with it. And I don't understand why. I don't know if it's because vanity, you know, it's like, look at this cute little image and I'm just mm -hmm. or like or just proud parent. Yeah. I don't know if it is because it's easier to face the camera outward than it is inward, you know, to mm -hmm. me, like for me, I don't like talking to the camera, but mm -hmm. I also know that I need some social engagement, keeping people updated what's going on in my life. So I don't know if that's easier to point outwards than inwards. Yeah. I don't know if 
I, 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 and I don't know if it's also because I see all my friends doing it. I see everyone else doing it. So then I feel like, oh, this is what just everyone does. I think that is a good, I think all of those are valid. And I think the fact that sharenting has just become so normal, right? It just became normal. Like all of a sudden, like we went from like Facebook to Instagram to like Vine and TikTok. And like, we just shared and we kept sharing. And then we started sharing more every day across various platforms. It just became normal. And we have yet to really pause and reflect on it. For myself, my husband has taught me over the years the value of privacy. And once your privacy is invaded, it's very hard to get that back, right? And I look at privacy as a fundamental human right, right? If my children want to be public figures later in life, well, then they can choose that. But I'm personally not going to choose that for them, right? And so sharing became normal. And we did it. And even I did it, like not a lot. When I had my first child, I posted like the little feet, the announcement. And then I posted like maybe three or four photos over the course of six months. But it kind of felt like this is what you do. Like you are strange if you don't do this. Why wouldn't you post your child? Why wouldn't you show them off? Like this is an expectation of us as parents in the digital world. And within the year, I took them down because I just was like, I don't know, like it doesn't feel right. It's just never felt right to me. Yeah, it is interesting because I like something that I I feel very confident saying no when someone asks me for a photo. Mm -hmm. I will say yes if I feel like it. And if I don't feel like it, I say no, which is usually when I'm like, really tired and my flight's been delayed and I'm trying to rebook a flight at the airport. You know, if I'm like, yeah. just, like if I'm spent, done. if I'm done, if it's six in the morning and I'm just like boarding a flight and I feel crappy and just started my period and I'm broken out and bloated and just being like, yeah. please, can I just give <laughs> you a hug? <laughs> please don't make me p- permanently put this on the internet. And then also when I'm with my kids, I always yeah. say no. And yet, I still publicly post them online without their full understanding of what that means. And now my child, my oldest is seven and she knows what it means. So she Mm -hmm. sometimes is like, I, why don't you put, I want to post this one on the internet. And other times she's like, there's a picture of me as a baby. Like she's very, it goes back and forth, but it is, it is really interesting. I want to ask you, cause it also, it's, impossible to ignore as a parent that our kids will watch TV shows. They might go on YouTube and watch like blippy videos or like little toy playing videos. And, and then there's also a lot of videos of families that like create this like internet persona that kids really love to watch. I call it like their version of reality TV. It's like, this is her housewives. This is like, this is, you know, it's, this is her Kardashians, you know, it's like very, it's kind of funny But also, like, if you really properly pay attention, have you uncovered in any of your research in the last couple of years, like, have you kind of done a deep dive on also not just like people who are sharenting, which is like such a wild word, but um, not just people that are posting videos on TikTok or on Instagram or, you know, but people that are posting like full family vlogs on YouTube and like what that world is like. Yeah, I discuss that quite often. One of the, you know, pillars of my platform is discussing child exploitation as it relates to family vloggers and influencers online. And it's extremely concerning to me that parents have 
turned their children's literal human existence, the one life they have, into content that they can profit off of, that they have, you know, commercialized their childhood, that they have monetized their existence, that they choose to compromise their digital safety. And frankly, it's all for money, right? Money and fame. And that's really worrisome because there's all there's regularly a comparison between child actors and these internet child stars right and while there are similarities there's a lot of differences right and child actors are playing a role and they go home to hopefully the privacy of their own home if they aren't also being exploited online by their parents. But these kids who are growing up in these family vlogging worlds, they don't have that. They're not acting like this is their life. This is their one shot that their parents are using as a form of entertainment for strangers on the internet. And it just morally and ethically feels very wrong to me. Is there anyone specific, even if you don't want to name names, but just situationally that you see over and over or one that really sticks out to you? I try on my platform to not name names because I find when people are attacked, they don't listen. I also find the stands of these families to be very intense in their defense of them. However, some of the larger names I have discussed publicly are the LeBrant family, or the Ace family, or the Sacconi Jolie family. Those are kind of like three really big ones with millions of followers across various social media platforms. And what's interesting is where you're even hesitant to name certain names because of the like the the like kind of wave of attention you would get. I can't even imagine the way yeah. the waves of attention that these families get. 100%. Like these, you know, some of these kids can't go to the grocery store without being fawned over. And then there is this, you know, what currently John and Kate Plus 8 have been making the headlines because they have been in some recent documentaries and the children have had to make public statements and talk about the inner workings of their family. And some of them have spoken out despite not wanting to. And these children never signed up for this, right? Mm -hmm. They never asked to be a part of this. And now the public feels like they have access and are entitled to them. And I worry about a lot of these kids in the family vlogging world that that will happen to them, that the public and the parasocial relationships that are being created are going to make the public feel like these kids are kind of their property and they're entitled to more of them throughout their life. Well, and that's how we do feel. I mean, when it comes to it, this is reality TV, essentially. Yeah. You know, it's like 100 percent. It's one like when you are posting that consistently or vlogging, it's it's you're you're making your own reality TV show in a, in to a certain degree. And we do as a society feel very entitled to our reality TV stars. Like mm-hmm. we have opinions about the housewives and the bachelorettes and yeah. the, like we get very, very in, involved and it is like a huge part of pop culture. So why would it not translate into other arenas? 
I think for me personally, as a housewife fan, those are consenting adults. Exactly. I agree. You, you I know agree. what I mean? Yeah. And and yeah, do sometimes they show their kids or have their kids? Yeah. But are the kids the main storyline? I have yet to see one of the franchises use a kid as a main storyline, right? It's about the mothers. It's about the women, right? And that's a big piece of the pie right there, right? Consent. Yeah. Consent 100%. For you, do you have you sat down with some of these kind of uh, with some of these parents, some of these influencers or some of these parents that do vlog their family? Have you have you met with them? Have you ever interviewed with them or had any engagement from them? Because I mean, I definitely want to like right now I'm already sitting in like my pool of guilt where I'm just like, how do I, how do I get myself out of this? I feel like I'm too far in. I've like, I feel bad. So I'm just going to, who cares? Like if I stop now, I've already done it. What's the point at this point? Yeah. I always say to people, cause a lot of people feel that way is that like, it's just never too late to change. It's never too late to move forward in a different direction. I have discussed, and been told from multiple people that I have had an impact on the way they share that they have gone back and privated or they have deleted or they're moving forward in a different light, no longer sharing their children on social media and things like that. It matters seeing people and seeing people of influence, right? You hold influence, right? If you take a step forward in not sharing, people listen, right? For me, I'm an opinionated, polarizing individual who hasn't shared. I'm not part of that world. But when these influencers voice that they have made a change, people listen Mm -hmm. and other influencers and people follow suit, right? And I do see that happening right now as it relates to in-depth conversations with family vloggers. Uh, no, no one's talked to me. <laughs> but I have had a few conversations with individuals who, in my opinion, exploit their kids on social media platforms like Instagram and TikTok. And we have had productive exchanges. However, we never land in the same place. I view their content as exploitative. They view their content as doing right by their children. And for anyone listening, like, I I know what you're saying, because this is also like, I know, I, I also have done brand deals. I've under have a vague, very vague understanding of like the influencer market, just from knowing people within the industry, specifically in the influencer industry. But if anyone's listening right now going like, oh, so you mean I can never post a photo of my kid because it's exploitative? Like, can you also explain a little bit about um, even people who are just taking in content, like what that means, like when people, because I know that what you're saying is also people who every single brand deal, like you even post, you know, you even kind of uh, vaguely, not completely shared because you block out all the things that would be insensitive to the children and you don't want to like promote this. You're trying to Mm -hmm. kind of point out, but there's like a child who was even doing a voiceover for a complete like ad for a anti-bloat supplement. (laughs) Yes, which is which, all kinds which of I have different problems just with anti bloat fucking supplements yeah. and teas and all of that, which is why I've 100%. never done it ever because it's bad for yeah. yes. But and don't even get me into little girls, mental health, social media, diet culture, all mm-hmm. of those things. Those to things. me, that is exploitative because that child is being used as a prop to promote this 
product, even if it is just a voiceover, she's being given lines to rehearse, which is work, and probably not written into the contract with this company, therefore not guaranteeing her any right to the money that is being generated from that ad. So to me, that is exploitative. Do I think every image of a child that is posted online is exploitative? Absolutely not. When I talk about exploitative content, I'm mainly talking about family vloggers and influencers who use their kids as content and would not be successful with and not get these brand deals without regularly featuring their children. When it comes to exploitative content with everyday parents, if you are posting your child in a vulnerable, emotional, traumatic moment, if you are exploiting their medical information or personal personal and intimate details of their life, I find that exploitative in a different fashion, right? But not every post of a child is child exploitation. Um, for you, do you still find it hard sometimes to not want to post something online of your kids? Never. No, I've never. You're so strong. I, I, I've never had, like, even as I previously discussed, I did it initially with my first child because it felt like that's what you do. You, you, you post, it's a really cute picture, you share. But I don't have that urge. And I think all parents need to, again, ask the question, why? Why, why do I feel this urge? Why is not sharing with personal friends and family enough? Right. Mm -hmm. Parents used to only trust their children's image and their information with people they vetted, people they know, people they trust. Now parents are trusting anybody and everybody with information and, well, and images then telling of their kid. these kids when they're teenagers, you can't just like post anything on the internet. That's I'm hearing it. I'm hearing it. It's That's all coming. Another, right? The, the, you know, the it, circle of all of this is good because I've also my my stepdaughters from my previous marriage, they are now 20 and 18. And so I mean I I watched I and I met them when they were very young, mm -hmm. when they were seven and nine. And so to kind of see them navigate while myself yeah. navigating and then with the parenting aspect of navigating like this whole online digital world that is just happening so fast. So fast. And these are how these kids communicate, but yeah. you don't like I don't understand it. But I'm also like trying to navigate it for myself because I work in a public forum where it is of part of my career at this point, yep. whether I like it or not. Yep. And so there's that element. But then also me trying to navigate what I'm posting while also trying to warn them like there there's so many people and then I'm trying to get my numbers up and wanting mm -hmm. them to keep their numbers down. Oh, it's it's a lot like the digital yeah. world has changed so much and it's changed so fast, even in like the past year with the development, pardon me, with the development <laughs> your hiccup yeah. with the development of AI. Right. Like every oh, year, it's gosh, just like getting hit with something <laughs> new. And that's kind of why I wanted to have these conversations, because there's no handbook for this. There's no guide. Don't get me wrong. There are two books that I always recommend. That's Sharon Hood by Leah Plunkett and Growing Up Shared by Stacey Steinberg. If anyone's interested in these topics, I highly suggest you check out those two books. But there's no 
real guidebook because everything moves so quick yeah. and we don't know what the consequences and ramifications for having all of this information and these lengthy digital footprints are for our children. But Alison Stoner, I was just listening to her first episode of her new podcast and in it she refers to the toddler to train wreck pipeline of child stars is what she calls it and I can't help but think like poof is there going to be a whole new wave of that in regard to these social media kids right it's really concerning it is concerning 
developing mm. laws to protect yeah. anyone who really. was exploited or revenge porn, like if, mm-hmm. if or where people were posting not only photos or videos or like, but also like phone numbers and addresses and people that would have to like move and change complete careers and lives because yeah. they were just being stalked digitally and there weren't laws to protect them. And now there are and they're getting better. But it's interesting because you talk a little bit about this new law that came out in Illinois, specifically that has to do with the children of influencers. Yeah. So um, it was just passed this week. And it's basically saying that parents in Illinois who are using their kids as content will need to legally set aside money in a trust for them. If my memory serves me correct, it is for children who appear in 30% or more of their parents' content and that the 50% will have to be placed in a trust. So hypothetically, if a child is in 50% of a parent's video, that child would be able to receive 25% of the income that video generates across social media platforms. My opinion is it's a great first step. It's a great step in the right direction. I worry about how they're going to track this, how they're going to monitor this. It is the parent's responsibility to do so, but parents calculating the percentage of videos and what is earned and stuff could open a can of worms for them, but it also could deter a lot of parents from even doing this because it's not as easy now and they are not generating 100% of the income, right? Because a lot of parents in this world justify it by, well, you know, we get the trips and the stuff and the things and the college fund. Well, maybe your kids do, but other kids, there's no guarantee. There's nothing that says these kids will get anything when they're 18. And yeah, maybe you can say, well, did you like that private school or did you like that trip to Disney? But can you imagine having your entire existence exploited online, being seen by millions, if not billions of people in turning 18 and being told like, well, didn't you like your life? Like you don't get anything now, but didn't didn't you have a good time? Didn't we treat you well? Well, if we've also learned anything from the interwebs, we see mm-hmm. the highlight reel. It's just like the Christmas yeah. card. You know what I mean? Like, like I call it like a version of that, the Christmas card. You know, obviously there's many religious holidays during that time of year. <laughs> but for me, I it's like when a family gathers to take the Christmas card photos yeah. and it's just like a family laughing on the beach and you're like, aha, and you're like, wow, look at them in their sweaters and they're so happy. But everyone fucking knows if you've ever gotten together to take a family photo, if oh. someone's cranky, everyone's fighting, everyone's yeah. sweaty, everyone's mm-hmm. hungry. Like it's Preach. like that's the real stuff that people yeah. don't see. So I can't every time I see those videos it just makes me like so anxious of like what's happening in between the behind the scenes and that's also another thing that this bill doesn't cover it doesn't cover any privacy aspects like parents can't share a b or c or parents can't like humiliate or degrade their kids for likes and views doesn't talk about labor 
like, you know, when families are doing these skits and these dances and stuff like that, that's labor. Like those kids are working to learn dances and to learn lines for skits and stuff like that. That's work. How many times do we hear influencers, adult influencers saying, this is work, this is work, Mm -hmm. right? But when we look at these little kids... No one's really saying that. So the bill in Illinois is a great first step. And the individuals who work towards that, like Chris McCarty from Quick Clicking Kids and Cam Barrett, Soft Scorpio on TikTok, they deserve a lot of praise for continuing to fight for these kids without a voice. But they know and many of us know that the work is just beginning. But now other states have a legal framework to work on and add to, which is exciting. And see that it can get passed. And see that it can get yes. passed. It's interesting hearing you say that because I, I have a team that I work with for social media. I can I mean, every time I figure out how to make a TikTok, they change the app and then I don't know how to do it again. Like I just, I still don't know how to add something in a Google calendar. Like I am analog in a, it's I'm, just very, I'm like yeah. that way with Instagram. Like I don't know anything. <laughs> I'm getting anything. better on Instagram. I can only That's do one. Lot. I can't do them all. But so my, my kids came home from school. My, I had my nanny pick them up. I was wrapping up because I, I like to kind of like do a bunch of content in one day and because gotcha, I have people baby. who know how, and because they, they know how to do it and do the graphics and we have yeah. and it's very and it makes it more fun and creative for me. I, I'm not like a let's anyway, but they came home and I there was like a funny one of like two people talking and my seven year old had been like beg. She's like, I just want to do a TikTok like TikTok just sounds so cool to her. So I was like, all right, well. You're home. If you want to try it with mommy, mommy was going to do it. And so she was like so excited. So we like did it. But then it was like I was off and then we did it again. And then she was off and then and then we did it again. But we were like, OK, well, maybe it could be. But she's like, we, we just keep doing it. And and I was just like, yeah, I know. I was like, we can do it like one more time and then see which one is better. Yeah. And after I just was like, what are we doing? Like, what are we like? Yeah, there's like bright lights on us. Like, you know, I'm. it's like I feel like I'm on set having to like read. And it's like trying to coach her into saying this, like feels kind of like work. Feels kind of like, like work. Feels kind of like I'm on set. And so is my child and not in like a way that she's enjoying it where like. Yep. You know, she she did come to work with me on something for very sentimental reasons, which I've told this story already on the podcast before, and I am sticking with the strike, so I'm not going to bring any of it now. But but it was a positive experience. It was very personal. It was not like and like she was paid. She like you yeah. know it was like a whole thing. Like it was not. Uh, it, it did not feel exploitative in anything. That yep. felt more exploitative. Like sitting next to each other on my couch making well, her. And- do a TikTok better. And I recognize that there's a lot of people who, you know, make their income off TikTok and social media and things like that. And so they see, you know, mom or dad on these platforms and like it's a job to them. And they're thinking, oh, that's cool. And they're hearing about it at school and they want to make a little dance or a little video with mom or dad. Go for it. Keep it private. I mean, you can make the dance. You can do the silly thing, but you don't need to post it publicly. Mm-hmm. They will never know. They don't know. Right. They're just kids and they want your validation. Right. They want your attention. People 
parents, a lot of them will justify exploiting their kids online because they're like, oh, they they love it. They love it. It's great. I'm like, they love doing something with mom and dad. They yeah. love the validation that they're getting from you, the praise they are receiving. That is what they love. It doesn't need to be making videos for social media and posting publicly, right? So when social media applications are set on, if you're set on private, will it stay private? Like, have you have you come across any instances where no matter what, it's no ma- it's just public anyway, even if it's set on private, or does will it genu- generally? Ge- it, the best thing I know from law I enforcement. Can, I know that's what because- I can say is nothing on the internet is, is private, private. Yeah. <laughs> and everything yes. is permanent. Yes. Right? Yes. I yeah. I always <laughs> preach that parents. Go private, 100% go private, curate your followers list because a lot of parents would be like, oh, well, like I'm private. I'm like, that's great. You have 1,400 people following you. Mm -hmm. That's not private. Private is a safer option when sharing, but that doesn't mean that some, an old coworker isn't going to like download your video or like screenshot it and send it to somewhere else. Like I've seen one of the strangest things I have seen is Facebook groups about hating children. And what? Yes. One of the strangest things I have seen is Facebook groups that are designed around people hating children. And I'm not talking about the child free movement because I support that. You don't you want to be child free. Kids aren't for you. Amazing. I love that for you. This is about literally individuals posting images and videos of kids and then being ruthless and bullying their looks, their person and saying horrendous things. And some of the things are, this is my cousin's kid. Like a relative, a relative took that picture and added that to that Facebook group and then allowed all these people to say horrendous things. And that's another element to the conversation in general. Parents, by posting their children up publicly, are allowing this public forum to comment on their children. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it is bullying and cruel comments that these children could potentially find later in life. Could you imagine being a toddler and finding out like the internet hated you or bullied you and there's like a Reddit thread about you and like your speech delay or your new medical diagnosis? Like there's so many things that can go wrong when parents share too much and post. How is that not like a HIPAA? Well, HIPAA, I guess, is if you're a doctor and you're violating someone's medical records. Yeah. How is that not illegal that you can, without someone's consent as a, when they're a minor, talk about like their medical history? Yeah, I know. I don't know all the rules in all the different countries, but it seems to me that children are still looked at as kind of property and that parents are allowed to make any and all decisions. And if they want to share their children's medical diagnoses on social media, they can. And it's awful. Some of the things I have seen are just absolutely awful and definitely going to be re-traumatizing for these children later in life. All right. Well, this is this is what I needed. This is what we all needed. But I do want to make sure that for anyone that's maybe feeling a little hopeless right now, 
Like, what are some of the positive conversations you've had with people who've either made the made a shift, made a personal shift to post less? Or what are positive ways that people have continued to, you know, be able to celebrate their family or celebrate parenthood yeah. that also doesn't compromise the safety and just legal consent of their children? I think there's a lot of positives when parents move away from posting. They're no longer looking at these beautiful moments throughout their day as content. They're no longer looking at their children through a screen, right? I understand that we want to record memories and take pictures, and I implore parents to do that. But be mindful. Children are literally being raised with cameras in their faces, right? And we are sending direct signals to them that our smartphones are more important, the most important thing to us. So when we move away from looking at our children and moments in their day as content, we are allowing us to be more present for our children and experience like the joy with them, right? And I think that's something we all kind of need do, right? You know, I'm on social media and it's great, but I batch content. I take two days off a week. I don't even open TikTok. We all need to remember what is the most important and that's our kids, right? And prioritizing their wants and needs is essential and prioritizing your child's right to privacy and informed consent and keeping them safe online means something. And I think the parents who realize that early on are going to have a really good relationship as it relates to parent and child trust, right? That they can trust that their parent is not filming their vulnerable moments and placing it online and they can be emotional with them. And there's a lot when we kind of put our phones down and just reconnect with our kids. Yeah, that is very, very true. It's funny. It's like, I don't think about that when it pertains to my kids, mm-hmm. even though, and and I also, I, I, I found, look, I have a very, very normal life. I really do. I go, I, I <laughs> like, I'm not like, ooh, I'm this person who can't go anywhere and do yeah. my, my, <laughs> the flashes, the, the flashes. flashes. No, no, like, this is, I'm fine. Um, But I, I was on a show that gained very big success and with a very young demographic at a time when people were bringing, you know, really bringing smartphones around everywhere, but also still bringing digital cameras around everywhere. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was a long time ago, but we, you know, kind of rode that wave. And and I'd had situations where I didn't realize someone was filming me or I didn't realize someone was taking photos of me. And it Mm -hmm. was maybe things I didn't want shared or to be shown, whether I was like, just letting loose on a dance floor or like yeah. with someone at the time. And and so not inappropriately, but just as yeah, a young you know, single yeah, girl. Of and it's made me very aware. Like I'm hyper aware of when I'm in a public setting. And if someone has their phone out, like I can sense it. It, it kind of heightens your senses in a way to yeah. be able to track it. And again, I don't have it as like, I have a very normal life. And I have friends that have very, that have it on a whole other level of elevation and they can sense it even quicker 
quicker than I can. It's the first time hearing you talk about it that I kind of like imagining this young generation who are constantly filmed by their family members and constantly filmed. You can sense when that camera comes up. And it's like, I'm realizing I, you know, my youngest is, and it's like that same thing when like, or almost three, but when you see your kid doing something really cute and the Mm -hmm. second you pull your camera out, they They stop. stop. Yeah. And And you also think why (laughs) when with the kids of the family vloggers like or the kids on social media in general, like, do they know that when the camera's out, they are supposed to go into performance mode? Right. Like, are they able to just like be authentically themselves or are they always feeling like they need to be in performance mode. Mm -hmm. And another quick thing I just want to remind parents is that we are capable of relating to other parents without seeing (laughs) their children, right? Like I don't need to see your children to relate to your parenting experience and you as a mother and the commonalities and differences between us. We don't need to show our children and use them as content in order to relate to each other and to be in these spaces. It's okay if this space has become unsafe for children. There are many spaces in this world that are unsafe for children. And the more I talk about these issues and the more I get tagged in and the more I learn, sadly, it looks like the digital world is becoming unsafe for our children. And our number one priority is just keeping them safe. Yes, it's true. I really thank you for not only taking up this conversation with me and taking the time to sit down with me, but for everyone that's listening, who uh, hopefully absorbed, you know, what you're saying and for all the research you've done and for creating a platform and a space that I think, frankly, we all needed as this parenting generation. Can you also take up trampoline parks next? Because I think that those are a danger to children and I don't want to go anymore. Can we just collectively just like banish trampoline? Can we work on that as a law that trampoline parks are just done? (laughs) I have a lot going on, but I did as a child break my ankle on a trampoline. So I'm with you. See, right. But you know what? If you're a family vlogger, your kid could go to a trampoline park, break their ankle, (laughs) and then you can title it emergency room visit. Boom. They rock it, right? (laughs) Like if I never have to go to a trampoline park on a Saturday afternoon ever again. Uh, It'll be too soon. Too soon. Well, thank you. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to bring this to another corner of the internet and to have these conversations. It really means a lot that people in your position are willing to listen and engage and are also like curious and open, right? I try to always lead with kindness and education and information. And sometimes I know I don't always nail it, but I think these conversations are important. So thanks for giving me the platform. They are. And thank you for giving the space for me to also explore areas where I'm learning myself. And there's, oh, you're right. There, It's never too soon to, to change, make a change and make a change. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank totally. you. A Super Bloom podcast is hosted by me, Candace King, produced by Melissa D. Monts and Diamond Imprint Productions, edited by Diane Kang, post-production sound by Coco Lawrence, and advertising partnership with ACAST.